This is episode number 72 with Tom Verano. Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your hosts, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. All right, everyone, it's time for another episode of American Snippets. We share inspiring stories of positivity, possibility, and patriotism from military heroes, influential entrepreneurs, and people dedicated to living their own American dream while helping others do the same. Whether they are celebrities or small-town heroes, each guest is a shining example of the American spirit. And that spirit lives alive and well in our guest today. His name is Tom Verano. And we met Tom back in uh, just a couple months ago, actually, in Montana at a fundraising organization for Heroes and Horses, uh, which we, we've we had here on the American Sippets podcast. I think that's episode number three, so you can go back and check that out. Uh, but Tom was is a performance uh, speed painter and inspirational speaker who uses art and entertainment as a medium to connect with audiences all over this country. His artwork uh, is extraordinary, but he will tell you that his real purpose is inspiring people to live their dreams and pack their lives with passion. Tom's own story of being raised by a single father who gave his all to his only child and the incredible events that both shaped his life and allowed him to impact others is truly remarkable. And it's made even more so by Tom's riveting delivery in an interview packed with insight, value, and guidance on following your own passion and living your own dream. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Tom Verano. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I am your co-host, Barb Allen. Here with us today is Tom Verano. And this is one of these funny stories about someone. It's a great lesson to us. We never know who we live around and amongst. And sometimes we can go miles and miles out of our way, seeking some sort of inspiration or beauty that and we turn around and discover it's been in our own backyard the whole time. And that's kind of how we feel about Tom Verano. When uh, Dave and I traveled to Mount Montana a month yeah. or so ago to support an organization, Heroes and Horses, we featured Micah Fink as one of our very first uh, episodes. And there at this event, we were treated to a porch, or not a porch, a painting, a speed painting. I don't even want to say it and diminish his value because when I say it, it sounds less than it was, but yeah. we'll let Tom talk quick. He is a speed painter, performance artist who performs the most stunning, moving, powerful event that I have witnessed in a, in a long time. And its sincerity is something that literally can stop a room full of people at all stages of intoxication even and pay attention, right? And become intoxicated by his work. Tom, we are so excited to have you here today. We can't wait to dig into your story of artistry and patriotism and chasing your dream and pursuing that and turning it into reality and the message you want to send across the country. Thank you so much for taking time out of your ridiculously busy schedule to speak with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You guys are amazing. And uh, it is a funny story how we met. I mean, I literally put that event on the, you know, doing the presentation that evening. And I come off the stage to kind of, you know, get my bearings afterwards. And I stand next to Dave at at the table. Mm -hmm. 
And he starts a conversation with me and I turn around and you're right behind me. We circled you like a pack of wolves. (laughs) Yeah, it was funny. And you even said that, you know, you're not going anywhere. We're going to just hold you here. So that was a lot of fun. Um, And of course, that event was over the top amazing. Um, such an honor to be in that room with uh, with our veterans, you know. Yeah, it was great. So tell us, we'll start quickly. I would ask you to do a much better job than I just did of describing what it is you do first sure. so people get a good sense. Absolutely. Well, I'm a performance speed painter and inspirational speaker. So I travel around the country, um, K through college schools, and bring a program into these schools of uh, following your dreams, living with passion. Love I it. paint famous, famous faces in minutes. Um, they normally take, you know, six to eight minutes to, to paint these. They're all set to inspirational music. So, for instance, if I'm painting JFK, it'll be to his speeches. If I'm painting MLK, it'll be to his speeches. Talk about um, you know, Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, I have about 50 different famous faces at this point in my repertoire. And then of course I'll do custom pieces of honoring at charity events or corporate events, honoring veterans. I'll paint their portrait live in a room full of people and, and just honor them. And, uh, it's, it's changed my life and it's, 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 I can't even put into words the, the emotions that I feel putting these events on for people. I mean, it's, it's over the top. Yeah. And so how did you get started in that? Well, I've been a portrait photographer for 29 years. I still am. I run a studio in central New York and started my business at 14 years old. I mean, I could back up this story and, you know, please do literally, if you take us back to the time in your life, when you first realized that you have this artistic pull in you, how you get began expressing that, you know, and like the very first brushstroke. Yeah. Yeah. I'll share a story with you right now. That is the pinnacle and the foundation of what I bring into the schools. Please. And it's, it's over the top. Unbelievable. Okay. So at 14 years old, my father walks into my bedroom and he hands me a camera and he says, son, see what you could do with this camera. Never owned a camera before in my life. And so that summer I took the camera and I just studied photography, studied it over and over, fell in love with that. So as time went on, it's just my father and I living at the house, you know, parents divorced and all that. Um, I'm in high school and in high school, I actually excelled at computer science, just came easy for me. Back then it was like Fultron and Cobalt languages, all these weird languages. So when it was time for me to go to college, I turned to my father and I said, Dad, it's time for me to go to college. I don't know what to study. And he says, Tom, you're great at computer science. I think you should study computer science. So I listened to him, enrolled in those courses. And about two weeks in, I'm sitting there in a cubicle writing code. And I absolutely hated computer science at the college level. I just did not like it. I have two passions in life. I love people. I want to be around people. And I love art. I want to create things. And uh, at the time, I fell in love with photography, as I said. So I went back to my dad and I said, Dad, we have a problem. I said, I'm not liking computer science at the college level. I said, I want to make a change. And he said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to study photography. I want to learn more about photography. I love photography. I have a passion for it. He said, let's make those changes. So I enrolled in those courses and 
gosh, the professors, the teachers were teaching me things that my mind could never come up with on its own. Um, so I fell in love even deeper with the science of photography, started learning about lighting, started learning about different equipment, started learning about uh, posing, started learning about how to critique a photograph, how to look at it and see what's right about it, what's wrong about it. So about a year and a half in, I went back to my dad and I said, dad, I know what I want to do with the rest of my life. And he said, what's that? I said, I want to be a portrait photographer. I want to change people's lives with my camera. I want them to look at a photograph of themselves and say, wow, I am beautiful. I do matter. And uh, he said, what do we need to do? I said, I need a studio, Dad. He said, look, Tom. He said, it's only you and I living here at the house. He said, why don't you uh, take the two bedrooms down the hall? One will be your shoot room. The other will be your studio and um, your office. And our home telephone number, that's going to be your business number. I was 19 years old, and uh, there I am in business, and um, changed my whole life. I mean, I, I was completely and utterly broke when I started. We all are. About, yeah, two years in, I ended up marrying my high school sweetheart. In fact, this year, we celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. Yay, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. So now we're completely and utterly broke together. Okay? Perfect. We, you know, brand new <laughs> marriage, but we were in love. It didn't matter. So two things that we did when we first got married, and, um, you know, I say this at all my events. I mean, you don't need a lot of money to be happy, yep. okay? So we would go hiking. We live in central New York, so we have the Adirondack Mountains. We would go hiking, canoeing, spending time with friends outdoors, and we found ourselves in church. And at this point in my talk with the students and at colleges, I say, look, I mentioned the whole church thing, but let me just make a disclaimer, and this is in my heart. I say, whatever your religion is, I say, study it, practice it, and live it out by loving other people. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's my heart when it comes to the whole religion thing. But me, you know, I, I believe in Christ and follow Christ's principles. So we're in church. And I'll never forget this moment, Barb, because this changed my life. The basket's coming around church. Oh, yeah, that I, basket. Yeah, I'm sitting there in the pew with my wife. And my best friend from high school is on my right and my wife is on the left. And here comes the basket. And as it got closer, I'm getting more and more frustrated inside because I had nothing in my pocket to put in the basket. And I just wanted to give back. I felt so blessed that, you know, I, I, new marriage and, um, you know, just I had my talent. I had my dream in front of me. I just wanted to give back. And here comes the basket. And without telling my friend or my wife, I looked down at my hand and on my, on my finger, I had a gold nugget ring that my aunt had given me for my oh birthday. Oh my gosh. And it was my 12th birthday. It was my prized possession. I slowly took it off and tossed it in the basket. And the basket went on by with my ring. That was a Wednesday night. Come Saturday, that following Saturday, I'm photographing one of my first weddings. And I knew to do two things at the weddings. Dress the part, so I wore a tuxedo. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I knew to do is use my God-given energy to put people together and make people feel really good about themselves. So when I smiled, they smiled. When I raised my hands, they all raised their hands. And that's how the whole night was going. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the event reception, this gentleman comes up to me and taps me on the shoulder. And he says, young man, he said, is this your business? And I said, yeah, I started this uh, not too long ago. He goes, you love what you do, don't you? I said, I absolutely love what I do. And he goes, you could tell these people are having a great time. 
And uh, so then, you know, his wife interrupted and he, he, he introduced me to his wife, Sue. His name was Lee. He said, look, Tom, you need to get back to work. He said, do you have a business card? And I gave him my card. He gave me his. He said, I see something in you that I don't normally see. He said, I want to invest in you. Wow. I didn't, I didn't know what he was talking about, you know, invest. I had, so he said, I'll be in touch with you. So he went his way. I went back to work. And towards the end of the night, I was looking for him, you know, because I wanted to ask him a couple questions, but he had left early. So that was a Saturday night. Come Monday, I'm at my desk at, at my studio. Now I have my own studio. And, and um, I'm at my desk and I'm writing out, you know, checks to my bills and and the phone rings, and it's this gentleman, Lee. And he said, do you remember me from the wedding? And I said, I said, yeah, I, I w- actually, I wanted to ask you a question. He said, what was your question? I said, you said you wanted to invest in me. I said, do you want to own part of my business? And he started laughing. He said, no, Tom, I don't need to own any part of your business. He said, I manage $29 billion in New York City. Oh, my gosh. Any part of your business. So he had my attention. In fact, there was silence on the phone. I started calling him sir at that point. And um, I said, well, what is it that you want? He said, I want to own a piece of your passion. He said, I see that passion. and I don't normally see that. I said, well, I don't understand. He said, look, I'm not going to be in central New York anytime soon. Why don't you come down to Manhattan and I'll explain everything to you there. And there was more silence on the phone. That was me at this point thinking, Barb. This stranger wants to get me to New York City so he could slice my neck open and throw me in some alley. That's what I was thinking. You know what I mean? I just I didn't know this from anybody. So the first person that came to my mind was my father. So I thought and I said to Lee, I said, do you mind if I talk to my dad? And he, he snickered, you know, and he said, you know, absolutely. Talk to whoever you want. He said, but call me back. So I got off the phone with him, raced to my father's house. And at this point. My father, old time Italian, he was a screamer guy. Okay, so I get to the house and I tell my dad, I said, look, I said, I met this guy at a wedding. Dad, you're never going to believe this. This was Saturday night. I met this guy and uh, he said he wanted to invest in me and I don't know what to do. You know, he wants me to go down to New York City and I don't know what to do. My dad screams at me and he says, go see the guy. He screams, you know, he's not he's not going to hurt you. Go see what he has to say, you know. So there's something when your parents or a loved one is behind you in a decision that you really want to do. There's more energy, more passion. I had that. So I race back to my studio. I get Lee on the phone and I say, Lee, I have great news. My dad said I could come and see you. And uh, he started laughing. He said, that is great news. So there was no e-ticketing back then, Barb. This was 1993. Okay. No e-ticketing, no internet. So, and I had asked him, I said, do you mind if I bring a friend with me? Because I'm thinking adventure, you know, New York City, investor, I have no idea what's going to happen. So he says, uh, absolutely, you could bring whoever you want. So he e-ticket, he, I'm sorry, he FedExed us two round trip airline tickets to Midtown Manhattan. We get to JFK, we take a cab right into Midtown, 605 Third Avenue, and we get out. And there's the building, Newberger and Berman, mutual fund company, all glass. Lee's on the 40th floor. We get up to the, you know, take the elevator, get up to the 40th floor. Doors open, and there's Lee standing there. Huge guy. When he shook your hand, your whole body shook, you know. And uh, so he goes, boys, follow me. So we follow him down this long hallway and then down this other long hallway. 
We get to the end and it's a corner office, all glass, huge. He had all kinds of furniture and there was amazing. And uh, we get we get in there. I put my stuff on his desk and went right to the windows and I'm pressed right up against the windows. And, you know, people are this small down, but down yep. below yep. the Empire State Building is there. The Twin Towers are poised in the background. And um, I'm just taking it all in. And then he wakes us, wakes me from my daydream. And he said, boys, come and sit down at my desk. So we sit down at his desk. He leans over the desk and points at me and says, Tom, tell me about your life. So I proceeded to tell him about my, you know, my new marriage, my business, all this. He cuts me off and says, I have to invest in you. Did you bring the obligations I asked you to bring? Now, on the phone, he had asked me to bring a snapshot of my life. I want to know all about your wife. I want to know about your business. I want to know about your bills. Can you bring all that with you? And I had the envelope with everything in it. I hand it to him. He pulls everything out, puts it on his desk, spreads it all over. My whole life story is on his desk. And then he opens up his desk drawer, takes out his checkbook, and starts writing out checks to every one of my debts that day. $65,000 worth of debt. What? He's just writing checks. I got up, went to his side of the desk, and grabbed him by the wrist as he's writing these checks. And I said, Lee, I said, I so appreciate this. I said, but I can't pay you this back. I said, you know, I don't make this kind of money. He said, this isn't about you paying this back. This is about you doing this for somebody in the future. Wow. Said, Lee, I'm a photographer. I don't, I don't make this kind of money to be able to do this. He said, this isn't about the money. This is about you helping others in the future and has nothing to do with money. Then he wrote me a check for $22,000. And he said, get this business off the ground. I see your passion. And then he wrote me a check for $26,000. And he said, go get yourself a reliable vehicle. Your wow. services aren't you. You need to be on time. So that was my story with Lee. So I'm on my flight. Now, this is, this is where it gets crazy, okay? I'm on the flight back to New York. Uh, to central New York from, from Manhattan. My buddy is sitting a couple rows ahead of me and I'm sitting in the airplane and I'm thinking, how do you help people? You know, groups of people without using large sums of money, my commission from Lee, you know, go, go help people. So a couple years down the road, I'm, I'm working in my studio, which is now located in the center of my city. And for the first time I'm seeing people Kids, Barb, little kids playing on the streets all around my studio. And I remember calling one of them over to me. And I said, hey, man, I said, come on over here. I said, what are you, eight? What are you doing on the streets? He comes over. His name is Aaron. He said, yeah, I'm eight years old. He said, we're bored. There's nothing to do. That's why we're out here. I said, Aaron, stay right there. I went into my studio down in the basement and I grabbed a rake and I handed it to him. I said, Aaron, see all these leaves around the studio? Rake up all these leaves. And I reached in my pocket. I had some 10s and 20s. I said, I'll, I'll give you some money. His eyes got this big. He started raking. But an hour later, he knocks on the door, opens the door, and there's Aaron just, just standing there with a big smile. Mr. Verano, I'm done. Can you come and check it? I went outside. There wasn't a leaf on the lawn. Whoa. He had up everything. So I reached in my pocket. I paid him, and he ran away. So then the next day, there's a knock on my door. I open the door. It's Aaron. Mr. Verano, is there anything else I could do around the studio? I said, absolutely, Aaron. Aww. See, these weeds, pull these weeds and I'll pay you. 
So he did it. I paid him. Now this went on and on. Now Aaron's not eight. He's 14. Wow. Putting him in my truck, bringing him to my house. Awesome. It, it was just amazing. So now he's on my rider mower, mowing my lawn with a huge smile. Might oh, as well I love it. In his mouth, you know, <laughs> and uh, I'm in my swimming pool with my daughter spending time with them. He's uh-huh. mowing my lawn. Well, this went on for, for some time and then I lost track of him. I didn't know what happened to him. And this is where it gets crazy because now my daughters, two daughters, beautiful daughters, they're in high school and my oldest daughter gets in a car accident. She calls my wife and I. It's the worst call I ever got. She calls us. She's screaming, crying, and uh, she just wants us at the scene. All we want to do is get to the scene, and we had to wait to get the address out of her because she was so hysterical. We finally get the address out of her. We race to the scene. There's paramedics. There's fire trucks, all this stuff. I push everybody out of the way, and there's my daughter's car. It's a crumpled mess. Airbag had gone off. She's still in the front seat. So I push people out of the way. I get into the front seat and I'm face to face with my daughter. And I'm, I'm just telling her, Jordan, dad's here. Dad's here. And there was hands stabilizing her neck from the back seat. And a face pierces around and says, Mr. Verano, she's going to be OK. Oh, come on. It's Aaron. Oh, my God. I'm an EMT. <laughs> and he was the first one on the scene. holding wow. his neck. And I had realized oh, at that wow. moment, Barb, what Lee yeah, was talking yeah. about. Just being good to people because you never know when it's going to come full circle. Wow, that is a crazy story. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It changed my whole life. Changed my whole life. So I went on to run a very successful portrait studio, put my whole heart into it, live with passion, that kind of thing. Exactly what I talk about from the stage to the students. And, um, you know, it it, the, the most important thing for all of us, you included, is just finding something that we want to pour our lives yeah. in. And then just do it with everything we have. The people that I paint on stage, all famous faces, that's all they did. You take the Mother Teresa's. She wins the Nobel Peace Prize. She steps off the stage. And what does she say? Can I go back to the streets now? Wow. You take MLK, who's been shot, who's been shot at, his family's threatened, he's been imprisoned, he's been spat upon, and then he ultimately dies for his dream. And, you know, you and I, we get upset when our French fries are cold at McDonald's. You know what I mean? And these people are living on the streets. They're they're living with passion, you know? That's, I love everything you just said. I have some questions on that. First, out of curiosity, are you still in touch with Lee? Does he get to see what his investment turned into? You know, I was I was in relation with Lee for 13 years. Great. And that whole family and... Um, awesome. I, you know, I would take the train back to New Jersey where he lived, sometimes being in the office. He flew me to New York City four, for four years, every single wow. month, just have lunch with me. And um, three years after he retired, he passed away to cancer. Oh. So, um, so it was cut short. But yeah. tell you what, the investment that he did make into me, I feel so obligated to my yeah. own biological father and to Lee to just use everything that I've been given to just give back. Yeah. And a lot of ways you are a part of his legacy, which is super cool. I love it. Have you ever read the book, the go giver? You know, I'm not sure. I don't think I have. No, that story you just told me could have come straight out of that book. Could have come. Yeah. Could have come straight out of it. I'm going to send you a copy. It's a great book and it's a very easy read. I'll totally send you a copy. Love it. It is a, great, great book. And it, 
your story brings that book to life. The value, it's like the meaning is not to say, hey, what can I get out of this? What can I get out of this? But even when you are at your lowest point, you still have something of value to offer and you should continue offering that. And it's by offering value that you, it comes back to you, you know, tenfold. But if you are closed off and afraid to give, afraid to offer of yourself, that that wall does not break open for you, you know, to, to receive the blessings in return. And I love that. I love that story. That, that actually like got me. It's been an emotional two days here for me. So you got me a little vulnerable, but that story just put me a little over the edge. I love it. So thank you. <laughs> say one more thing. Yes. The pastor of that church that day that I took the ring off and I put it in the basket. Yeah. The pastor of that church seven years later asked me to tell the same story I just told you. And I yeah. told the story. And then at the end, he comes out of his office with the ring. Come on. I was waiting to see in that story if the ring was going to come back, if you were going to go to a photo shoot and somebody had the ring. (laughs) Yeah. They found it in the church basket, didn't know what to do with it. They put it in the church safe and then gave it back to me. Oh, my gosh. realized at that moment for me, I'm talking for me, that you can never outgive God. If you give with the right heart, the right intention... The windows, just like the scripture said, the windows of heaven will be lifted and it'll pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. Love it. So how important was it for you to be open to making that leap? You know, it's a scary thing when you say, I'm going to do this with my life. And then you feel like that's not what you're meant to do to make that change when you've already publicly committed to one path to change to another. So how scary was that? And how important was it for you to have your dad's support there. What do you think would have happened if your dad had said, listen, you said computer science, it's computer science, that's the way you need to go? That's an extremely emotional question for me because I deal with thousands of students around the country that do not have their parents' support. Yeah. They're coming from broken homes and these students come up at the end of the show and they're weeping. Yeah. Broken, you know, because they don't have that that foundation. My, you know, my parents were divorced Mm -hmm. and, um, my father, all he did was pour into my life with just, he just, um, uh, what's the word? He, he would just encourage me all the time to try different things. You know what I mean? We weren't a wealthy family by any means. He was disabled vet. So he broke his back in the service. And, uh, so he was living on a disability check. Uh But he would just always, he bought the camera off a QVC. Oh my gosh. You know what I mean? So that's what he handed me that day. And, um, but he would always try basketball camps, do this, try this, scuba diving. You know, he put me in, in flight lessons on his income. He put me in flight wow. lessons. And um, it, it was just amazing. So you are absolutely right when you say the support of your father, because I could have yeah. literally yeah. went to my dad and said, dad, I want to do this. And him knowing if I had the passion behind it, he would have supported it. Awesome. And and that's what I had with the photography. He's deceased, so he didn't see me pick up my brushes. But I knew that that the brushes give me an opportunity to go to the stage and do something extremely unique, capture people's attention, and then use the microphone to speak into their lives. And that's what Emotion Into Art is all about. That's the show. Beautiful. The paintings, yeah. the paintings are in my in my heart are secondary. The yeah. microphone is why I'm there. Yeah, it really. Is. Yeah, and it is beautiful. And like I, what I say to people, your performance, your presentation, 
was so extremely powerful to me. And I go to a lot of events. I hear a lot of things. I, I speak myself. I know, you know, so I know professionally how hard that is, um, you know, and you, it's not necessarily something you can learn. You know, you either have it, you can, you can tell the people who believe in what they're saying and believe in the purpose versus the person who's getting up there to say the same thing, whose story has become kind of, even yeah. if it was once emotional, is now their story and it's a profession and the passion has left them, right? And mm -hmm. so your presentation, it just like reached through the crowd and grabbed me. I had to actually walk away because I don't like getting emotional in front of people and that's what was happening to me. And so I had to kind of, it just took me by surprise and I will say this over and over and over again and I mentioned before, I have been mentioning your name often, especially in the past couple of weeks in the circles I've been running in. So... I hope it gets out there and people see it and grab onto it because what you do is not something that people often have access to and see. And so I, I love it. What do you say to kids in particular who don't have that support when they come up to you weeping, when they come up to you upset, either their parent doesn't support them or they don't have a parent in the picture or they don't have somebody to support them? What do you say when they say, Mr. Verano, you had your dad's support. I don't have anything you know, anyone supporting me, how am I supposed to bridge that gap? I believe in my heart 1000% that when I'm standing in on that stage in front of 500 students or 2000 students, lining the back walls in those rooms are teachers and their dream okay. was to become a teacher. Okay. And, and I ask the students, I say, who in here struggles in school? Hands fly up all yep. the time. And I said, you know what? That's real. You guys are being real right now. And school is hard. Life is hard. Yeah. School yeah. is hard. You know, and I talk about bullying at the schools and how it's 10 times for the heart for those kids that are getting bullied to be in school. You think your yeah. life is hard. Try to get bullied and walk in fear and try to, you know, do your work. I mean, it's ridiculous. But I tell the students, the teachers in your school, their dream was to be your teacher. And here you are struggling. And you probably pick up your books at the end of the day and run out so you can get on Facebook or you can get on Nintendo or whatever you're playing these days. And these teachers, all they wanted to do is see you get to the next level. They're the ones that believe in you. Awesome. They're the ones that want to get you to the next, the next goal that you have awesome. you know, to succeed. So I always put them back on the teachers. I love it. I love it. We have three of my sisters are teachers and uh, someone very near and dear to us whose family yeah. is a teacher and they would all do that for their students. So I, I love that. So moving forward, when did you then pick up a paintbrush and decide to move from photography in terms of your speaking, your public presentations? When, you know, when did you decide to incorporate painting and how did you did you just naturally have that talent or did you have to great learn question. it? It's twofold. Number one, um, I told you the story about Aaron and yeah. meeting Aaron. Um, but the other thing I did is I went to the local uh, athletic director in my city and I said, what's going on with the high school on Sunday nights? And they said, nothing. There's no events. I said, can I get the high school gym on Sunday nights? And uh, they said, absolutely, you can you can come in, just sign the paperwork and come on down. So I used my insurance policy for my studio to be able to get this gym, wow. brand full facility. So every Sunday night, they asked me how long I wanted it for. And I said, 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. What's the duration? I said, can I get it for a year? They said, absolutely. For 20 years, I ran a basketball program on Sunday nights. 
and it's an outreach to the community to get guys in off the streets, 16 and up, to come in and just play hardcore basketball. Wow. The only, the only recommend, uh, um, the only thing that they had to do, okay, requirement, was no cursing, swearing on the court. Okay, check your pride at the door, and they had to stay for a 10-minute devotional. And that's where I would try to give back mm-hmm. at that point. So for 20 years, I did that. And in the midst of that, somebody had come up to me, an old friend of mine had come up and said, hey, have you ever painted before? And I said, no, I'm a photographer. I said, I don't even help that, you know, help my wife paint the walls in our house. I don't like being dirty type deal. And they said, that's funny. That's funny. But watch this video. And it was a gentleman by the name of Denny Dent. He's deceased now, but he used to speed paint. You know, he used to throw paint around, put paint in his hair. He was... He was a freak, really, with paint. He was an awesome, <laughs> awesome guy. And um, But he was just on fire for painting, speed painting. And when I saw that, Barb, I fell in love with it. I was like, I want to do that. So this is what happened. My little family and I lived above my studio, 100-year-old building, beautiful building. We lived above our studio. So one night after dinner, I called him down. I said, hey, can you come down and watch this? Turned down the music, started painting I flip it over, and there wasn't a sound in the room. They were completely and utterly embarrassed for me because it did not. <laughs> what, what, I thought you were gonna say, and there it was, this beautiful, yeah, like, like, like behind you. Yeah, <laughs> no, it did not come out at all. And my wife comes over and she says, "Maybe you could do this or change this," and it just wasn't helping because it just did not come out. So for the next four months, you know, and I was embarrassed because I just wanted to do this. You know, it was a passion for me, but it didn't come out. So for the next four months, I went down in my studio and just painted. And I'm just throwing paint and I'm wrecking my studio. I paint all over my equipment, my (laughs) ceiling, everything. So I called a friend and I said, hey, can you come over to the studio? He works with masonry, Angelo Carletta. And he comes over. We dug out in the basement, dirt floor, 100-year-old building, dug out four ton of rock and dirt. (laughs) Then we pour concrete in this pit put stairs and I have a painting pit in my studio basement I and love I it. for three months and just practice over and over and over again. And then I called my girls back down again after four months and they said, just come and watch this. And my girls, my daughters, they're teenagers now reluctantly mm-hmm. came down. Dad, it doesn't come out, dad. All right. No, please. Just one more time. So they came down, turned down the music, flipped it over and I got it. And my wife started crying. Because I had just taught my daughters that if you persevere, if you go after what you truly want to do, there's no stopping you. Yeah. The only one that could stop you is you. And um, I stopped the basketball program and I took my brushes and I take the program on the road. And it's not a religious program at all. No, it's but not. I talk, I talk about my faith mm-hmm. because it's, it's the foundation of my life. Sure. But sure. I don't push it on anybody. I just talk about them being all in, like Nelson Mandela was all in, okay? In his 70s, spent 20 years in prison, and in his 70s, his his dream didn't die in that prison. He comes out and becomes president. MLK, JFK, Mother Teresa, uh, Walt Disney. Um, the list goes on and on yeah. and on, you know, of all these great people. What were, What was the foundation of it? They went all in. They didn't deviate. They put blinders on. And just did it. Yeah. And that's really what you and I need to do. Yep. <laughs> we got to be passionate about what we're doing. We got this short time on the surface. Oh, I know. I know. 
Yep. And then we just go all in. It's you know? great. Great, great, great. I love, and I always say when I get to speak to people like you who have that mindset and the mentality, I love it. Sometimes I, I feel like, like I'm getting away with something because I get to, you know, ring you guys up and have this conversation and be, so I get to surround myself with people like, yeah, it's so important to surround yourself with people who believe that, you know, the power of proximity is something we talk about often, like who you surround yourself with, the mindset that you surround yourself with is you go where you look. Right. And yes. And so I love everything you're, you're saying falls exactly a hundred percent into, you know, why we started American snippets and why we find people like you with these stories and this message to get across, because there's so much negativity in this country today. And there's, it seems like there's in everybody's life, there are a lot of people who have all these answers as to why you can't succeed at what you're doing, why what you're doing is crazy, why they kind of laugh at it. And they, they all come from their own place and have their own reasons for saying that. And I love being able to have somebody come in and say exactly what you're saying, because the drum beat, we're trying to reverse that drum beat. uh, So they hear more of the beat of success and And mindset and go. um, Starts with our youth. Yeah. I mean, Really, yeah. we're, you know, I was at this event in Albany, New York, uh, this past weekend for our veterans. Yeah. And Karen Vaughn, just like you, Gold uh-huh. Star Mom, on, on, you know, Gold Star Wife, Gold Star Mom. And um, she's up there. We presented a painting to her of her son, Aaron, who lost his life mm-hmm. in 2011, mm-hmm. Afghanistan. And she said something from the stage. She said, we're only one generation away from losing our freedom here in America. Yeah. We take it for granted sometimes, but we're only one generation away from losing the dream. You know what I mean? So for for yeah. for us to go, if we succeeded in any way, any way for us to go out and pull up, reach down and pull up the next generation to say, you can do it. You have what it takes, just like Lee did with me. Yeah. I don't know where I would be today. You know what I mean? I wasn't great at school studies. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a mom that read books to me. You know what I mean? So I kind of struggled in school. I don't know where I would be, but my father believed in me. Lee believed in me. My wife believes in me. I don't know where I would be without that support. All I want to do is, is be an advocate for that type of support. I love it. Love it. So tell me about your very first event where you incorporated painting into your speaking. It was uh, it was an actual school event, and um, well, my very very first painting was for the guys at the basketball. That was Love my it. first public. What was the picture? It was of Christ. Perfect. And uh, so I love I love this image. You have all these the like, teenage youths, right? And you have them coming in to play basketball, so they're sweaty and you know and just want to play basketball and you somehow managed to get them to come in to listen to you speak and to paint a picture of Christ. Yes. And they did what? Were the, the, you know the program started with three people showing up the first year. Perfect. By the end of the program we had 60 guys showing wow. up every single Sunday night. That's amazing. And, if you um, if you accomplished nothing else in your life, right? If that is what you did with your life and your central theme, that would still like that in itself is so powerful and so impactful. That's extraordinary. Now, I love I it. Share, I need to share this with you. Yes, okay. please. This is huge. Yeah. All right. And I and I mentioned this from the stage. You remember the movie Apollo 13? Yeah, oh, yeah. 
You remember, okay, in the beginning, if you if you have to think back in the, in the beginning of the movie, Tom Hanks, they're all at his house. They're having this party because of the landing on the moon, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Having this big party. Yeah. And then they're they're all cheering him on, finally landing on the moon and all this stuff. So then everyone leaves the house, and it's just him and his wife, Marilyn. And uh, the house is destroyed, uh, glasses everywhere and, you know, dirty dishes. And they go out back. And they said, let's just sell the house. They were just, you know, <laughs> yeah. clean up all this mess, uh-huh. right? So they're laying out back and they're looking up in the starlight and uh, they see the moon. And Tom Hanks turns to his wife. Remember, he was doing this with his thumb. And he turns to his yeah, wife yeah. and says, uh, we now live in a world where man has gone to the moon. And then he turns back to his wife and he says, it's not a miracle. We just chose to go. And just like you and Dave are choosing to do this program, and I'm choosing to pack my bags and go around the country and paint live for people. There's so many of us that are just choosing to go. And that's, that's, that's the power of having a dream. And I talk to the students that we have to handle our dreams with kid gloves because it's so fragile. People take dreams for granted. But we have to handle them with kid gloves. Absolutely. And on that theme, we talk a lot at American Snippets about the American dream. This is, you know, one of the tenets of why we do what we do. And largely in line with what we've been speaking of, that we're told so often that the American dream is a fallacy. It's a myth. It's a fantasy. It's dead, you know, and people, especially in families like mine, who have felt the big impact of what it takes to maintain the opportunity for us to pursue those freedoms. Um, We, I believe in the American dream. I teach my kids it's still alive and I teach them it's our duty to pursue it, right? Because so many have given so much that we can, but where I would love to know to hear from you, what is, when I say to you, Tom Verano, what is your, what does the American dream mean to you? What would, how would you define that? I would say faith, hope, and love. Perfect. If we, if we lose those, I think we've lost our dream. Faith, yes. hope, and love. And that's what this country was built on, is faith, hope, and love. And that's what people like your husband have died for, yeah. for that. Love that's it. the dream of America right there. So if there was one person that we could call up today and send to you, as somebody in in the entire world who you've never met, we could call up and send over to your house right now to spend the afternoon with you. You could talk about whatever you wanted to talk about. Who would that be? I would say Donald Trump. Love it. He's fascinating. (laughs) He's fascinating, but I would tell him my story and I would tell him, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that man has similar stories that he's done for people. You know, we see the Donald Trump that's been, you know, created from the television right, right. series and everything else that he's had to do. And a lot of that comes out in his public speaking now. But um, I believe we needed him at this point in our country. I, I really do. I felt, you know, feel like the, the changes that are being made were needing to be made. But faith, hope and love, I would talk to him about, you know, to not not create the tension yes because that's not what america was built on is is to create this tension where we're all on the same team here right you know let's let's pull together and and advocate for that and and the tension let's just put it in the corner where it belongs shut it down 
just shut down that tension. Yes, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? It would be lovely to have that all go away, which is another reason we're trying to be a louder voice than all that nonsense going on. This is our way of coming back against it. Like, let's stop feeding that and let's feed a different message instead, which is, is and you are a part of that message here with us today. So we love it. Students, you know what I mean? They're watching us. They're watching how we act. They're learning. Our students are so, our kids are so um, pliable. Yes. And they mimic what we do and say and act like. And, and, um, you know, all I wanted to do is be like my father growing up. And all he wanted me to do is not be like, he was married four times, but uh, he lived a hard life yeah. and all, he was my hero. But when he looked at himself, he, he felt like a failure oh. and he didn't want me to be like him. You know what I'm saying? And all I wanted to do is be like him. But now I've taken the bad parts and I put him in that corner. Yeah. That's why this year I'm married 25 years. That's my biggest. That's account. awesome. That's a blessing, really. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I'm very, I'm so happy for you. And I know you have to go. So we'll wrap this up with another big thing. If people want to find out more about you and what you do, where can they do that? Um, emotionintoart.com. And, uh, you know, my name is Tom Verano, V-A-R-A-N-O. And, uh, and if they want to book you to come out and do an event... Yeah, they can contact us right from the website, um, through college schools, corporate events, charity events. We'll be the entertainment at a charity event and help them raise money, just like we did in Montana. Was that unbelievable? The paintings brought in $60,000 from the stage that (laughs) I mean, it's just amazing, amazing. And I would would fly across the country to go to another event of yours. You know, if, if I see it come up on my calendar, I had the opening, I'd be there because it's so worth it. And I cannot emphasize enough to anybody listening how worth it it would be for you to go to Tom Verano's website and check out what he does. And when you have an event, when you need somebody to come in and speak, if you want somebody who's going to actually move the people in your audience instead of just having them sit there dutifully listening, you want somebody who's going to, you know, you tap into emotion and the rest is yours to to work with right and you do that so beautifully so thank you so much for for taking the time for all you do and for taking the time to spend spend with us today we really appreciate it barb thank you and thank you for you know your sacrifices that you've made with your family um we can't thank you enough and you and david doing a wonderful job with your program and just keep it up Thank Thank you. you. Right back at you. All right. There you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Did you love this episode? Did you get some value from it? Did you enjoy listening to Tom and his story? Well, if so, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. It would go a very long way and would be very much appreciated. So if you could, tell a friend, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, Make sure you also follow us on social media. Uh, Let us know what you thought about this story on Instagram and Facebook at American Snippets. Uh, You can also learn more about Tom Verano. Follow him on social media. Check out his website. Uh, You can do that by going to americansnippets.com and going to the featured episode, which is episode number 72. There we have a full article on Tom and his story, as well as all the social media links and website links, so you can uh, follow him and learn more on how you can get involved with what he is doing. Uh, Don't forget, you can also listen in and follow us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, 
YouTube. And again, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at American Snippets. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next time. 